today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Right now, we have had a number of discussions uh, on the program about uh, safe injection sites. And uh, as you know, we've had some problems here in Hamilton trying to find a permanent site uh, for that program. Uh, there's a great body of evidence that we're going to describe in more detail in just a couple of minutes about the, the role that safe injection sites play in the opioid crisis. And it's a problem, obviously. It's a growing problem, not just here in Ontario, but as we've told you in the past, uh, the numbers here in Hamilton uh, are significantly higher than the provincial average. So we've got to do something about this. But it's not just a Hamilton problem. It's happening in other communities. Well, Ontario nurses are now expressing concern over why the Ontario government feels that they need to assess the merit of supervised injection sites and overdose prevention services. Uh, they think there is plenty of evidence, and we'll talk about that with our, our next guest. Uh, Lynn Ann Mulroney is an RN and uh, nursing policy analyst with the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario. And joining us on the Bill Kelly Show, Lynn Ann, thank you so much for the time. It's great to have you with us today. Oh, thanks very much for the invitation, Bill. Well, it's got to be frustrating, I think, for your organization uh, to, to be going through this process right now. I mean, th- this is something that has been discussed. It has been studied. Uh, there is a body of evidence to prove that there is a, a, an a efficacy to what's going on here, yet the, the new provincial government basically says, well, we're not so sure. Absolutely, Bill. It's disappointing and, and even heartbreaking because there is that huge body of evidence and lives are literally in the balance. So, you know, we we aren't doing this with other um, public health or, or biomedical things. We're not, every time there's a new government, we're not stopping to examine the evidence. So I think given the strong body of evidence, we should just be carrying on. Well, and, and there's an argument to be made for that, but let me maybe start with throwing some numbers out here. Uh, because as I say, there, there has been a, a number of studies that have been done about this. Uh, we know the problem, obviously. There's an opioid crisis right now. There were, what, over 1,200 deaths across the province uh, attributed opioid poisoning uh, in the last year alone, and, and that's an, a significant increase from the year before. That's right. It's a 45% increase from uh, the year before. So, so the, it's, it's an, a problem that's not getting any better. Absolutely. It's uh, anytime you look at the um, the graphs that kind of show it, it's always going in the wrong direction. And as you were saying in your introduction, Hamilton um, the has increased has gone up by sixty five percent compared to the numbers in twenty sixteen. There are eighty seven deaths in Hamilton. And I'm sure you're aware of the circumstance here in Hamilton with the uh, looking for a safe injection site. Uh, they're having a great deal of problems here. Uh, trying to find a site, uh, a, a landlord, somebody that will will accommodate them. Uh, they even reached out to the to two major hospitals here, to St. Joe's and Hamilton Hill Sciences, and they basically said, no, we don't really have room for it. So it's uh, I, I know there's a temporary home for this right now, but it's a project really without any foundation, and that's got to be a problem. I'm sad because it also gives a bad message. I think every Ontarian, every person who lives in Hamilton, where everybody's life is so valuable that we need to be you know, remembering that these could be any person in our family that is in need of these health services. Well, and we, yeah, we need to put a face on this. And I mean, that's maybe the best way to try to gain an understanding as to what's going on. Uh, that uh, I, I don't know what kind of, uh, you know, face people drop or conjure up in their minds when they start hearing about opioid crisis. But, you know, when you look at some of the numbers and you look at some of the case studies in this situ- situation, Leanne, uh, these are professional people. Uh, these are, are people that uh, get for one reason or another, have become hooked on, on opioids. And, uh, uh, and well, it, it spirals downhill at such a quick rate. But, I mean, 
their, their lives and their human beings. And I mean, obviously, we need to do what we can to try to to, to help them into this. But I, there's there's stigma attached to this whole program, isn't there? I mean, there are still some people that, and I'm sure you've heard this argument in the past that look, it we got we you know all this is going to do is encourage more drug use, and that's only going to make the problem worse. So I think, as you were saying, it can happen to people at any walk of life. I mean, so, certainly, you know, sometimes you hear of uh, well-known people or celebrities that you would think it might not happen to, but it, it does. It happens to people, you know, at the top middle and people who are struggling financially as well. And the thing is that people um, who sometimes, I think if people actually knew the stories of people who are struggling with this, sometimes people get into um, this difficulty because they've had many, many other traumas that have happened in their life. So it's kind of, you know, sometimes they've started with great difficulties in childhood and then gone on to have many, many other terrible things that have happened to them. So they're just trying to ease their pain sometimes. Well, and ease the pain, I think, is a critical element to this whole thing because there are some people that are, are dealing with chronic pain and, and, and as a result, of course, have, have tried to use opioids to try to deal with that and to try to gain some sense of comfort. And, and, and obviously the, an addiction can, can result from overuse of, of those sorts of situations. Uh, and all of a sudden they, they find themselves in this spiral going out of control. Uh, there's, a, there's a real problem here, and, and I want you to ask or talk to us right now, if you could, Leanne, Leanne about, about, about the program, both the safe injection sites at all, and what happens. And maybe if you could walk us through the process of somebody who walks through the door there, maybe we get a, a more clear understanding as to exactly how efficient and how important these are to, the, to this whole bigger problem. Absolutely, Bill. So um, people who would... Uh, attend one of the overdose prevention sites or supervised uh, injection services sites, you know, they would be coming in with drugs that they had already um, obtained from someplace. Um, They would be in an environment that would have often nurses, um, peer workers, other people who are well-versed with what's going on. They would be in a safe, clean environment where they would have access to clean needles um, they would have people who were um, monitoring them so that if the poisonous um, opioid that they are happen to be taking, because a lot of times the drug supply now really is filled with all kinds of other harmful things, they would be able to resuscitate them so that they wouldn't die right there from the overdose. And then it also has a lot of other benefits in terms of preventing people from getting infection um, it prevents people, it, it, it helps people stay alive long enough so that they can maybe access the help that they might be looking for at another time, such as rehab. And, and that's, that's an option that, that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. I mean, for those who still have this idea that it's just a place where these guys can, can shoot up and, and do what they want and then go off on their way. Uh, there's counseling available. There are people that you can talk to about this. I mean, I, I, I don't know that you run into too many people at all, Lynn that say, hey, I'm, I'm happy of this lifestyle. I, the, a lot of them are trying to find a way out of it, but at the same time dealing with a physical addiction. Absolutely. And, you know, it, as you were saying earlier, Bill, the, the, the great stigma, I mean, if people had a heart condition or diabetes, we wouldn't be looking at them with the same kind of judgment and asking whether they deserve access to health services or not. 
Uh, you, you mentioned about the street aspect of this, too. And, and you know, the, the, some of these are prescription drugs. We get that. And that may be where the problem starts because of, 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 of you know, prescription drugs and, and the use of those for pain management or any number of other things, whether it's recovering from surgery or any number of other, uh, you know, autoimmune diseases. There are so many different issues here in different people's lives. But the, the reality here is if all of a sudden that supply is gone uh, from legitimate medical services, they start looking for it on the street because their body still craves this. They still need this. They still need the pain management and something to deal with this. And if you're buying it from some guy in a back alley downtown, you have no idea what they're actually selling you. Absolutely. There's no quality control or any way of knowing what exactly it is that, that is being introduced into your body. It's literally a, often a kind of poisoning. So, so there's that element of it. So, and uh, there are some studies. I want to talk about the London situation. I, I, obviously, we can focus on Hamilton because that's uh, something that's much more clear to us here in our own community. But I know that, that there's a, a, uh, the sand is running out of the hourglass in the London, Ontario situation. And now, that's, that clinic has been in place for some time. Uh, and, and with some success, I mean, my understanding is that is because of the controlled sites, uh, the number of fatalities was reduced considerably because of, of that aspect of the treatment that was available. Um, absolutely, and that's it's it's such a, a concern for us that um, that there the time is running out um, by August fifteenth is is when the sand goes out of that hourglass. You know, so that, that's, London that's next week. Yeah, yeah. So and London, you know, was the first sanctioned um, overdose prevention site, and they've been able. You know, they haven't had any deaths um, in or around their their site, and they've been able to. Um, They've supervised more than 4,700 injections. Um, you know, so it's, in the, you know, as you were saying before, no, like in a better world, nobody would be in this situation. But in the meantime, we're in an emergency, and so we have to actually respond appropriately. Well, and, and there's a body of, of, of evidence out here. We get that. But, and, and, and you've stepped up, to your uh, credit, the Ontario Nurses Association have stepped up, but you're not the only voices that are doing this. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, medical officer of Health for Toronto, the former medical officer, Dr. McEwen, uh, uh, has been a strong advocate for this. Other healthcare workers have been an advocate for this. You'd, you'd like to think that when governments are trying to decide on policy that they're going to talk to the people on the front lines that are actually delivering that policy. Yeah, there's people um, who have been doing research on this for years and years, and it's it's not like a flash in the pan. I mean, even if you look back at um, the experience in Vancouver, that's been going on um, for 15 years, and they have um, they've had 3.6 million visits over 15 years at the Insight facility there. They've reversed more than 6,400 overdoses, and no one has ever died at the facility. So it does work. I mean, that, that's that's really the message you want to get across here. This does work. Absolutely. But but it it's works. people are going to have to, especially in the ministry right now, they're going to have to educate themselves. And I think most of the people in the ministry probably are already aware of that anyway. Uh, yeah, if they're not, you know, I'm I I I know that that people who are well versed in there, the the researchers, the people who are working on the front lines, you know, they would be more than happy to. Uh, 
spend time with them and, and help them understand. But it's, it's, it's not controversial in terms of the scientific peer review literature is really clear that this works not only in Canada, but in Europe and Australia. But the, I guess the question that, that uh, it certainly comes to my mind, and I'm sure it has with your organization too, Lenan, is, is why are they putting a pause on this? I mean, what do they need to find out that they don't already know? Um, I honestly, I really don't understand um, what's going on, except for again, it makes me really um, sad in in terms of it, I think this helps to increase the stigma and the discrimination that we were talking about before. Well, it seems as if they're playing to it. Yeah. yeah. That, that, well, we don't want these druggies in our neighborhood. You know, this is one of these, you know, NIMBY things. You know, we don't want this sort of thing going on. The fact of the matter is it's going on in those communities in the back alleys and behind closed doors now. And this is actually trying to bring people to a common site where they can get proper help for these sorts of things. You'd, you'd think that they would be embracing a program like this. Yeah. It, it's From the health point of view, it's cost-effective. It. it it has not been shown to increase crime or anything like that, and it also uh, helps with, you know, if there's needles or things like that in the in the neighborhood. So, I mean, there's from an evidence point of view, there's just no reason why the sites should not be continuing and expanding as needed. Well, you know, because we've heard the stories, and and I'm sure you have in in different communities around the country. Uh, and, and even here in Hamilton, we've heard about this, about, you know, syringes found in parks at night and, and in alleys. And, and sadly, some people that are, are already overdosed and, and, you know, some die. Many of them die. We talked about those numbers already, uh, you know, with 1,200 deaths, over 1,200 deaths last year alone uh, because of overdoses that are going on right now. This is, this is basically moving them out of the alleys and trying to give them the medical assistance that they need. And, and of course, as you've talked about, and this is a very important part of this equation, the counseling that they need and the supervision that they need to try to get themselves healed and get them out of this stuff. Absolutely. Um, and, and it, access to, to rehab and, and also even things like um, help with wounds and infections that, that they might have. I mean, I think the people that are working there, there's many, many different ways that they can be of assistance um, to people, including building relationships and, and um, helping to treat people like human beings. I think that's important, too. Where are you with the government on this right now? I mean, they, they've announced already that they're, they're not sure about this and they're, they're not going to commit to it at this stage. But like you say, the London Clinic, the funding runs out next week. Uh, Hamilton's having problems like this. And, and maybe one of the reasons for these problems and, and the difficulty in trying to find locations is that, uh, is that you know the people that they're asking to come to their assistance right now are looking at Queen's Park and saying, well, look, if they don't believe in it, why should we? Um, I, I think it's safe to say that the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario is really going to keep um, doing everything in our power to try and urge the government to move, to move on this issue. Um, it, it just, it's nurses are working at the sites. They're, it's just, um, we, we're, we're not only healthcare workers, but we're also family members and neighbors. Like it's in our interest in every way possible to be saving lives and using the public health evidence to address this critical public health emergency. Well, I certainly hope that uh, the folks at Queen's Park and the Ontario Ministry of Health uh, get that message and it starts to resonate with them. Lynn-Ann, continued good luck with what you guys are trying to do, and uh, we'll stay in touch as this develops. Thanks for this today. Thanks so much, Bill. Take care. Bye now. Lynn-Ann Mulroney, uh, registered nurse and, of course, a policy assistant uh, with the uh, Registered Nurses Association of Ontario.
Uh, it's it's sad. It's really problematic and and tragic that uh, that people are dying because the government. Uh, which already has a program that's effective right in front of them, and is, is thinking, well, we're not so sure anymore. Really? Come on, people, think about this. Uh, and don't play up to stigmas. You'd like to think that the people within the ministry would know better. You'd like to think that anyway. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.